1: Today on the podcast, we have Kate Strachnia. She is the founder of Data Cated, That's D-A-T-A-C-A-T-E-D. So go check out her website. On there, you'll see her courses on data storytelling, dashboard techniques, visual best practices, and all things good about data visualizations. Kate also frequently talks about building a brand on social media, such as LinkedIn, as evidenced by her um recognition in 2018 and 2019 by linkedin as one of the top voices of data science and analytics she was also named by data iq as one of the top 100 most influential people in data kate has also authored or co-authored multiple books her most recent is called Colorwise: a data storyteller's guide to the intentional use of color additionally um, Kate is the host of the Dedicated Conference and the Dedicated On Air podcast. All right, but before all of that, um, Kate found a job in selling risk management training to banks. And doing that, she got hired as a risk analyst from one of her clients, and she worked very closely with internal audit in that role while she was doing that, because apparently Kate can't just do one thing at a time. Uh, she started a risk blog, and someone from Deloitte noticed it and so reached out And Kate ended up interviewing with Deloitte and was brought on as a financial services consultant. And after doing that for a little while, she transferred to an internal role where she found Tableau. Uh, For those that don't know, Tableau is a data visualization software. And to quote Kate, that's where um, data became love at first sight for her and using Tableau, building dashboards for management, sharing those, um, really limiting the amount of reliance on Excel and being able to again like tell the story with data using tableau there's two reasons that i want to have kate on one uh, she does have an audit background or at least a risk background um but two i've oft- often told people like if you want to get started in data from from my perspective what i've seen work well uh, for auditors and, and really anyone else is uh, start with some kind of visualization tool because you can see the results instantly, you can double click on things and you get a you know a bar graph, you can drag and drop. It's relatively easy to use. There's large user communities to learn from. For example, um, if you go to datacated.com, Kate's website, she has multiple trainings on there for how to learn some of this stuff. And so it's just a really important topic and really a good way to kind of ease into data analytics as opposed to spending all your time writing scripts developing workflows and you click a button and the output is just another excel file basically um, which obviously there's a ton of value in that but i think for a lot of people they grasp analytics easier and look for it grab onto it easier when it's in a visualization so that's one of the reasons we wanted to have kate on as well because she is 100 percent an expert in that area so some of the things that we talk about Um, Kate's opinion on where auditors could start learning data, how to actually create data visualizations, the value of telling stories with data, which for the folks that are preparing the audit committee package, this could be huge for you. And lastly, because of the brand that Kate has built around herself, she is definitely an expert in that area also. So I got her thoughts on how to rebrand audit. Here we go. So what is for non-data people, what's an approach that they could take to learn data? Would you start with um, like a visualization tool? Because like you said, there's pretty pictures in it and it's a little more drag and drop or double click and you can see a result. How would you introduce people to data?
0: Yeah, I think I'd start with at first understanding what type of data they want to work with or need to work with or something that they can really relate to. Mm -hmm. Like I taught um, pre-K, which is like third graders, right? Third and fourth graders uh, about data. And it was interesting. It was actually the day after I spoke to like thousands of people about data visualization. Mm -hmm. And then the next day I had this like career day and I'm like, okay, children, this is kind of similar, but kind of different. (laughs) So I taught them about data using Skittles, all right? Mm -hmm. So I had each kid in the class pick skittle um you know they have red green yellow all those colors and we created a little bar chart of of the the data we collected the issue there was a lot of kids ate the skittles so we had to start over um and then it started melting in their hands so i don't recommend you use skittles but starting with something that they can really understand you know if they're runners you can use their running data or if they're into another sport maybe using that sports data like college football for example right
1: yeah
0: (laughs) and Asking a question, right? So for example, if we're using running data, which is something that I personally just love looking at um, and getting into just how many miles on average do I run per month? So that's a data question, right? And then we ask, okay, how do we answer this? Well, step one, we need to gather the data. So I have an app called Strava and RunKeeper, both of which I can easily click a download CSV button and get that data. For others, it might not be as easy, or, or in other cases, you might have to collect that data. But the point is you get the data and then you can use data visualization tools, even Excel, Excel is still a great tool to use, uh, but Tableau, Power BI, Click, and others are, are really effective at easily providing the tools um, and, and acting as a really quick and easy drag and drop software that can visualize your data and answer your questions. So if the question was around average monthly running of miles, then you basically select the field that says number of miles, select the field that says month, and then it will even suggest a chart for you. Now, it does take some time to get an understanding of, okay, which chart do I use when? There are so many charts out there. Most people are probably familiar with pie charts, bar charts, line graphs, Um, but then there are bubble charts and scatter plots. and multiple line graphs, and there are right ways and wrong ways to use all of those charts. Um, I, I personally, I created a course called Dedicated Storytelling that goes into all of the visual best practices of when to use which chart, um, what are best practices for each type of chart, um, how to use color effectively, where do we place the text, but that takes us basically on the next step is when we're sharing the insights that we've gathered from our data analysis, whether it's for ourselves or For a client or for work making it sort of pretty but at the same time very simplistic and easy to understand is is typically the goal here
1: that's the thing that I tell people about visualizations because I know I would look at a a given chart um, or a graph or whatever and be like what the hell are they is going on like I felt dumb because I didn't know how to interpret it and then after I started to learn more about visualizations I'm like that's your fault. If I don't get it, it's your fault. It should be simple and easy to interpret. So I can appreciate you saying that. Um, so the the course, it's dedicated storytelling, right? And we'll put a link to that in the show notes uh, for people to check out. Um, that's an online course. And I, right. Is that right?
0: Yes, it's an online course. And it actually it it's part of my community called the dedicated circle. So access to the community provides you with the dedicated storytelling course as well as nine data to dashboard courses that people can take whenever they want there's no time limit on that
1: can you take the dedicated storytelling course separate from everything else
0: um well it it's a separate course it sits within the community so Got picture it. this there's a dedicated circle community you pay the 297 a year for membership and you have access to all of the courses so yes okay. you can take the dedicated storytelling course if that's the only one you're interested in but then let's say you have a tool that you're using at work we cover nine of the most commonly used tools to show you how to go from data to dashboard using the same data to create that same dashboard but with a different tool
1: got it okay 297 a year i mean that's that's basically free everybody <laughs> should sign up for that that's fantastic we've talked about storytelling with data what does that mean is it just um here's a dashboard or here's a visualization. What does that mean? And what's the value? What do you think the value is in learning how to effectively tell stories with data?
0: Yes, so we'll start with the first part. So what is data storytelling, right? So it's essentially telling the story using data to back it up. A lot of times we can tell stories without data as backup and um, data basically helps us to validate our points. It helps us to show like Proof, like here it's in the data, right? Um, And then uh, other times you'll see people trying to present data without the story, which a lot of times can be confusing or boring and it just doesn't get through. So when we combine the power of storytelling with the power and trust that folks place into data, it becomes a lot more impactful to either get a person to make a decision, take an action, depending on what you're trying to accomplish. And data storytelling and data visualizations, they are not only dashboards so it can be an email it can be an email that has a chart we used to send out a weekly management report that had some visualizations in there like you know um, how many how many audit issues are we tracking how many did we solve how many did we close how many did we just remove because it's a non-issue anymore or how did we do last month with revenue how many clients did we win and all of those can be told in a story but adding a visual can really help the individual on the receiving end get the point. Like if you said something like, Oh, we had a 10% increase in revenue and you're like, okay, great. Is that, is that good? Is that bad? The you up 30% last year, adding that sort of benchmark visualization for how did you do last month or last year can give this comparison to the reader that helps them understand more of like, Oh, okay, this is a good thing. Or no, this is not as good of a thing as they thought.
1: And one of the things we were talking about before was uh, in audit, our reports make their way up to the board um, and the audit committee, which is, could be hundreds of pages of other, you know, the financial statements, marketing plan, strategy, everything else that kind of goes in that package. And a lot of people still print those out, but even if it's not printed, um, I mean, imagine if you're sitting there and you're just flipping through text after text after text and then uh, the financials and flipping through all that. And then all of a sudden, as you're flipping, you see this data visualization. To me, that makes that would make me stop immediately and go, all right, what's going on here? Like this is, if nothing else, it's different. I'm going to look at it more. And so if yeah. you can efficiently, or if you can effectively tell the story using that, um, and I say efficiently in the sense of, the the reader being able to look at it and then within about you know three to five seconds go yep i get what they're trying to do here or i get what they want or what they're trying to tell me um what i'm curious about though is the and and thinking about it in that sense using consistent data visualizations versus what i would say maybe are creative visualizations and so like when they're flipping through they know when they see that thing that visualization that this is what it's tied to because we see it quarter over quarter mm-hmm. verse um would you recommend adding more creativity to it each time so that it does look different so that it is more attention grabbing because i could see if it's like the same thing every yeah. quarter maybe the first couple they go oh yeah that's great uh okay cool and then eventually it's like oh well, it's just another part of the package
0: Yeah, I think it depends on what your goals are, right? A lot of times, if you're trying to really grab attention, you really just want to put something attractive on there, yeah, go with with a cool new data viz art uh, or something. Um, But for, let's say, a board package, Mm -hmm. I would highly promote the consistency. So every time they see this chart, they know what they're looking at. And I would even keep the colors the same, the formatting the same. This way they know like, okay, I saw this last quarter, it looks a little bit differently, you know, the numbers went up, the numbers went down. And to your point where they need to understand this within a few seconds, yes, you don't want someone to flip to it and say, oh, that looks cool. And then spend the next 30 minutes like, what the heck is that? Like, Why are there two axes? Like, what's happening yeah. there? It's like a little rainbow in there. What is this? Um, unless you're talking about skills. So <laughs> I say the easiest way to make it very efficient for the reader is To have a very clear title right there are so many best practices that we can get into in terms of making it easy to read but if let's say there's nothing else surrounding this chart and the person has never seen this chart before and you were sitting right next to this person and they're like hey trent what is this and you would say oh this is uh you know the past two years average sales and we're up by 10 percent." okay great that could be your title of your chart a guiding line where if the chart was not there, it would still tell the reader exactly what they're looking at. Sometimes it's not as specific. Sometimes it's more exploratory and you want them to sort of come to their own conclusion.
1: Mm-hmm. In that
0: case, make the chart even simpler and remove everything that's not relevant to the point you're trying to make. But yeah, that title can be used to really just tell them what they're looking at.
1: I appreciate the way you got to how to determine what the title is because it's mm-hmm. something that I struggle with when developing mine. i like, what do i like what's the header what should i put on here what's the first thing they should see so that's a good i think a good practice a way to do that it's similar like with emails um, no problem writing a, a very nice um well put together email and then having to look at it and go i have no idea what the subject's going to be you know and just like what it's, uh, that, i have a similar struggle i guess with like that header of a visualization so thank you for for saving me um headache down the road
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is something I learned um, when we were building PowerPoints as well for executive committees. Um, The point was that if somebody got your deck, because I'm assuming at EY you also had plenty of slides that you worked with, Mm -hmm. so when you're putting that deck together, they said, you know, if you can remove all the text below it, that one top line should tell again the reader what they're looking at. It shouldn't be just the same thing like exco materials at the top of yeah at the top of every slide. But there are companies out there that are currently making it a lot easier in in terms of making that transition from having a data analyst and then the executive says, oh, I need these numbers tonight. And they run off and it's like, oh no, someone's stressed, I have to pull this data together and clean it up and visualize it. So there's a company um, that I went to, I went to their conference last week called ThoughtSpot that literally does this. So it, it sits on top of Cloud Data Warehouse and doesn't have to be a data analyst. The CEO can ask a question, type in, in and type in a question into their AI search bar, and literally charts will just come up and give you an answer. So I know that not, not all companies are quite there yet, but it's just so cool it how, is. how we're getting closer to that state.
1: It is. Uh, and you can get a feel for what Kate's talking about if you go to ThoughtSpot's website. I think if you just like scroll through, through the main page there's kind of like a you know five second kind of demo of what you talked about and it is if nothing else um even if you don't have like the infrastructure in place to to implement that i guarantee you're gonna go oh that's that's definitely cool that's a, i mean I, the first time i saw it and that is just i know
0: cool. i'm like why aren't we doing why isn't everybody doing this it's kind of like when cars were invented and people were like oh cars cool yeah and it- you're like, wait, shouldn't we all be using cars yeah. now? Like, this is amazing. Uh, I know it'll take some time for, for companies to get there. And I'm sure competitors will crop up and you know do similar similar things, which in turn will, will create even better products for the end users. But it's just so amazing. People can actually, I think, go and try it out for free now, even with the CSV file, where you can upload a CSV and, and see how it works. Uh, but yeah, really cool. All
1: right. Well, I'm sure... Um... The people at ThoughtSpot appreciate the the plug. We'll cut yeah. my, my commentary out right there. <laughs> um, it was actually, and I'm, I'm not familiar. I think it's, who's the CDO there? Is it Cindy? Cindy
0: Hawson, yeah. Hawson,
1: yeah. Um, it was her podcast I was listening to where they were talking about Baby having, being able to like, uh, where I envisioned like having the analyst sitting in there having to pull stuff. And okay. Go, hey, okay. look, if you know how to do this, you wouldn't, so it makes sense that I would have that thought from listening yeah. to cindy who's at ThoughtSpot, you know like yes make that connection so um i, I don't know i think it, it's funny how kind of small the data world is um within that, is. that sense yeah hey everyone thank you for continuing to listen to the show we want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at audit board the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk Um, So like within audit, um, they themselves aren't necessarily going to have, like for the most part, if they don't even have like a dedicated like SQL database or data warehouse for them to pull their own data, it's usually like, hey, AP, hey, uh, accounting, finance, I need this, can you give it to me? And so they're far from even moving to the cloud but tools like ThoughtSpot and the more advanced things that you need, I mean, you have to have that that architecture. It seems like cloud is like the minimum. Is that right? That's the way you understand it?
0: Um, so from what I understand is cloud is a big component. And I think that is the, the way the future is moving. I actually just re- read a book um, from Snowflake's CEO, mm-hmm. Frank Slootman, of, of the rise of the data cloud. So I definitely like I'm, I'm so bought into the cloud. Uh, but like I said, for, for ThoughtSpot, they told me that you could just use the csv file okay so cloud is not a requirement but i think it does streamline everything and make it easier and probably best to just get in the cloud um, sooner rather than later but i know some people have some um issues with it where they they think it's not secure but every every time i talk to people who are experts in the space they're like it's actually way more secure but yeah yeah i know i know it's gonna take some time to get around it so
1: that's um we did this engagement we built this uh sas tool for a university to monitor other grant transactions mm-hmm. and we had to go through like the onboarding process or the, the pre-onboarding process and it was about um basically like how do we know that everything's going to be secure and you know our data how's it going to be handled and everything and i was talking to the chief audit executive and she was like, Hey, I've got this, I've got to fill this thing out. We just tell me the answers. And it's like, yeah, we'll do it. And so she asked me that and I was like, it's on an AWS server. And she's like, well, okay, so what else? And I was like, that's it. That's all they need to know. Like, it's fine. It's going to be more secure in that environment than it probably is in yours. And she was like, yeah, is is security going to be okay with that? And I was like, just put that down. And she came back. She's like, yeah, they totally bought it. So, uh, okay. I agree that the, um, the I just say lack of knowledge around like cloud and security and all those kinds of things, um, which is almost understandable because there's so much like I'm looking at your dedicated tools guide and it's just like, there's so many tools. There's going to continue to be this proliferation of tools that it's hard to know if you're doing it right. And yeah. then it's almost like, you know, there's this commercial a long time ago, uh, I guess it was a long time ago because it was a desktop uh, big computer and it, you know the guy's driving he's got he's in a, a convertible and he's got like this huge box and it's like computer 6.0 the latest and greatest fastest computer on the planet and he's like got his arms around it and he's really proud that he has this thing stops at a red light there's a billboard it's like computer 7.0 the you know and it's because that's how fast it changes and I feel like I data,
0: know with data so that- tools and
1: product it's just like my god I can't even keep up
0: it's so true. So the dedicated tools guide, it's its currently just focused on data viz and data storytelling tools. So I'm not even including data integration, ingestion, all those other yeah. data cleaning. And I, it started out, I think, with 10 or 12 tools, which had like the basics that I was familiar with. Um, and every time I post a new iteration, now we're up to 35 tools at the time of this recording. Uh, every time I post it, I get so many comments saying, You forgot this company. Oh, yeah, hey, yeah. what about us? I'm like, Oh my God. Okay, <laughs> next time I'll include you too.
1: <laughs> so that's what you start uh, letting them know like, let them do the work for you. If you want your tool, you submit it. Uh, I mean, yes,
0: now I'm moving to a form. So I am looking to do uh, an ETL tools guide uh-huh. eventually. And I'm coming up with a form that will just collect information versus me looking on the internet and finding all the all Very the data nice. points that i'm looking
1: for i saw someone this is a while back uh, maybe a couple of weeks that had done something similar but they had it for each kind of step our grouping mm. however you want to phrase it within analytics so there's like here's governance tools here's etl okay. tools here's dashboard tool, and it was massive and within that there's um some tool guy that i follow on there and he was like, hey, don't forget about us. So it's exactly what
0: that's so. exactly it. Yes. And now there's this modern data stack, right? So it's yeah. like, let's leave all of them behind. Now yeah. this is the modern. Next up, ultra modern. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: yeah. That's a it makes it difficult to keep up. Um, I know sure. you, I'm sure, keep up with it. Seems like through you're a heavy, pretty heavy book reader. Um it's- Is there a recommendation for non-data people that you you could recommend?
0: Yes. Um, If they're trying to learn about data, then I'd recommend uh, Data Storytelling with Cole um, Nussbaum or Mm Naflik. That's the first book I read. I still have it. It's literally like all torn up and just like, because I've used it so much and it was just such an inspiration. Um, there's Edward Tufte, and there's so many books out there, but if I were to pick one, it would be her book.
1: Yeah, even the, it's not, I think it's in the forward, I believe, but it's where she, you know, hey, I want to thank these people kind of, she put a graph in there or a visualization. Uh, I think it showed like, somehow it tied the relationship she had to the people that she was thanking into this visual format. And I think was,
0: it was in a frame, maybe where- yeah where they work together or something yes i saw that that was really cool
1: that was and that's one of the first things you see and as soon as i saw that i was like all right like buckle up this is good uh similarly i don't i don't have most of my books are on a kindle um okay but i refer to that one pretty often like okay i know i'm looking at a bar chart let me go back and look at or i'm going to create one let me go back and look at make sure i'm hitting all the roles i'm supposed to and maybe even looking at a given role and going. Well, now that I know that role, I'm going to break it because it makes sense in this scenario. It's a very good resource.
0: Yeah. And I know I recommended a book, which was a great foundation for me when I started visualizing data. But I think the other step I took to personally just get to know all the best data visits out there was Google Images, right? So if I had to create a management reporting dashboard and I've never created one before, I kind of know what it looks like, but I want to do a good job. So what I what I used to do was Google other people's dashboards and find all the best parts of those yeah. dashboards that I like, and then try to recreate it and sort of make them my own. So it's so much easier than just sitting there with a blank sheet and thinking, "How do I do this?" Obviously, you can go that way. If that's you know, if you really just want to be super creative, but you can get a lot of ideas just by looking at other dashboards.
1: I was smiling like an idiot when you said that. Um, I do a uh, data visualization for internal audit, like. with with the use case being the audit committee as the receiver of the visualizations. Uh, And I did it yesterday and for a group and somebody asked, um, how can we show two bar charts that are comparing two different things? Like what's the best way to do that? And they're like, my manager, that's how they like to see it, but they're like, they're awful and it's hard to read. And I I literally said, um, Google it, (laughs) go to images scroll through until you find what makes the most sense to you and then recreate it. Yep. Uh, so that's why I kind of laughed when you were talking about that.
0: Absolutely. It works. It definitely works.
1: Yeah. Um, that's what I tell them when it comes to bands, um, B-A-Ns. And so for the audience that doesn't know big ass numbers is what that means. And so I'll tell them like, Hey, w- while I'm talking through this, just it's a search term. It's an actual visualization <laughs> term um maybe don't use your your work laptop to look it up depending on you know how you feel you about might that. get
0: some interesting uh, images <laughs> yeah
1: um but like just look it up and scroll through there and you'll see exactly what i'm talking about and then it like instantly clicks that's probably the most feedback i get is um yeah implemented bands or like that's usually it and it's you know this is the benefit and all that kind of good stuff but anyway mm-hmm. all right so we've been talking about books i know you are a prolific author um <laughs> I shared with you earlier, I started to write a book, first five minutes decided I'm never going to author a book. Um, you have managed to publish multiple books. <clears throat> and I don't know, I think it's on your, um, your email list that I was a part of. You have a new book coming out and it's about visualizations, but it's a very, very specific part of that. But I would love to have you share that with the audience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it's called Color Wise, which is kind of being wise about use of color, being intentional when you're using color in data storytelling and data visualization. Um, The book, I'm heavily working on it now, but there are so many cool, cool insights that I think the audience will gather from this. I think number one is being intentional when you use color. So don't just throw the rainbow up onto your chart because it looks pretty. I think a lot of times starting in grayscale mode can be very helpful because Mm -hmm. then you sit down, you're like, okay, what color do I use? to bring the audience's attention to this specific data point. So if you're talking about audits and I don't know too many charts and audits, but maybe the more important issues you will be highlighted in a different color, um, maybe red to really grab attention while the other ones are light blue or gray. Also um, thinking through, I know you mentioned the audit reports are a lot of times printed. And I know from back in the day, sometimes the color printers don't work or you just want to save ink and you print in black and white. So when you are designing this data visualization that just pops on your screen, but is later printed in black and white, um, be mindful of that, like take a look, what is it gonna look like when I print in black and white? There are some settings you can use in, in PowerPoint and other uh, places where you can see what it looks like in grayscale mode. Does it still pop? Does it still share the message? Um, and then the last point I'll share is accessibility. So one in 12 men and then as much lower percentage of women are actually colorblind where they cannot see clear differences between colors like red and green which in finance and other places red and green is used heavily for red is bad green is good so being mindful that maybe replacing those colors with orange and blue could be more effective for for getting the message across and um, making sure that you're you're thinking of others as you're creating but Trent, what book were you going to write that you spend the whole five minutes planning?
1: I don't know. It was years ago, and I don't. know. I honestly can't remember what it was going to be about.
0: Wow. Okay. I know that, <laughs> maybe you should,
1: that's how maybe much you should. effort. That's how much effort I put into it. <laughs> wow. Um, nice. Somebody did say because of the, the work that I do, and largely, and just like talking to people like yourself, they're like, you should take all that, put it into a book, and then publish it. So um maybe I'll do that um it might even be around audit analytics strategies one day because I'd constantly just as I learn I update my um uh my process for implementing those and so maybe depending on when this is I retire or something I'll be like all right look here's all the answers like this is everything that I know you can find it in a book now um so maybe I'll do that one day but we'll see one
0: day is not on the calendar trend pick a day (laughs) and do (laughs) it
1: all right. I'll have, I'll, I'm going to put that quote up somewhere in my office. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's interesting about the orange and blue. Cause I know in Tableau, it always defaults to those orange and blues. And I didn't know why. And my you do. problem with that, we taught yeah. college football earlier. So that's my team. Our okay. biggest rival, their color scheme is orange and blue.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So the first thing I would always do in Tableau is when it defaulted that, I would change it immediately. <laughs>
0: Okay. I hope not to red and green. I mean, it could... no,
1: no, 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 no. no okay. Usually it was like crimson and gray or something like that.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Just to work with it. If nothing else, like I did not want to see, I mean, this orange and blue thing, I've got a friend of mine who, uh, for whatever reason there were balloons around and an orange and a blue one were touching each other. And he went <laughs> no. And he went and popped one.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Wow. You guys take this seriously. <laughs> and
1: I'm telling you, it's, we don't have any pro sports team. So it's all, uh, Alabama and Auburn football down here.
0: Wow. All
1: right. Well, at least I guess now that I'm, I'm not ignorant, I understand why it's orange and blue. I can be a little, yeah. little bit more okay with why it defaults to that. All right. Um, the other thing that you are especially good at is building a brand, and. The way this ties into audit is, and I'm sure you can um, kind of of understand this, whenever audit is mentioned, it's not in the best light most of the time. There's not a really, (sighs) yeah, yeah, yeah. there's not a great brand around audit. And we've had discussions on the show about um, how to brand ourselves as auditors. Um, even, even discussion around, should we change, like, should we not even refer to ourselves as auditors? Should we call ourselves business improvement or business process, um, mm. improvers or something to that effect? Um, so anyway, please brand expert help us rebrand ourselves. Uh, how could we do that? What do you think?
0: Yeah, I'll get to that. But first off, I remember when I worked at the bank and we had a call from internal audit or an email, we knew it wasn't gonna be fun. It yeah. was like, okay, it's like a lot of times we we felt like at the, on the business side, like it's gonna be nitpicky on whatever we're doing without much of an explanation as to why, right? So I think positioning it just the way you described it as business process improvement mm-hmm. and demonstrate how this is actually going to add value to whoever you're auditing. Plus the word audit seems like the police are coming, yeah. they're coming after me. It's like, oh no. Um, so I think being clear at delivering the value that you're going to see after you improve your business processes, and making sure that the other side that you're talking to actually understands that. Um, but I think in terms of branding in, in general, being consistent with how you show up, so making sure that everyone on your team is on the same page and treats the the the, the, the people that you're auditing in the sim, in a similar fashion and you know, goes to them as an expert and maybe works together to actually find out how do we remediate some of these issues and Mm -hmm. make these processes more efficient. I personally focus a lot on building a a brand on social media. So I, I, a lot of times educate people and companies on how to show up. And I think internally, it's not that different in terms of how you actually show up within a company. As a department, it's all about being on the same page across the board with your team, making sure again that you are there to to add value, not to add work. Which sometimes people might think, "Oh no, audit! Okay, it always gave me more work." That's what those are my memories from working with the audit team. Um, and you know, being the cool guys that you are, <laughs> the auditors. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> What's I, right? what I appreciate about what you said, though, and like almost as a takeaway is, is, uh, you weren't in audit. Most people we talked to are, so to get the other side of that, like what, what feelings do you get when you would get that email? Yeah. Um, and you're talking about, or I was talking about how I struggled to write the subjects of an email. Yeah. So it when I was in internal audit, like I never wanted to put in the, e- the title or the subject, something about audit, you know, like this is coming from audit. Cause I know they would go their audit. No, Uh, you're gonna have to call me and keep following up I'm not gonna
0: answer
1: I think what might be interesting though and and I don't know if this fits everybody's personality or maybe more so mine but like I would probably now and thinking about that send an email that's almost like that looks really really audit heavy that just gives you anxiety when you read the subject and then the title just be like hey I'm just messing with you here's a five dollar gift card to Starbucks enjoy your day we love working with you you know and so they're just like okay you guys aren't Bad all the time.
0: You could do an A/B test, right, and see yeah. to, uh, play around with your subject lines.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that would be fascinating. All right, I might we might have to start some kind of engagement with that uh, and figure out how that would work. You got this new chair that I'm interested in.
0: I'm sitting on it as we speak. Yes.
1: Okay. Did you have like lower back problems or anything? What was the motivation to get that, and has it helped in any way?
0: No. So no back problems, but the chair I was sitting in was just uncomfortable to the point where I got a standing desk Mm -hmm. and then um decided I'm not going to use it because hey who wants to stand all day I realized I do a lot of sitting around and not actually working because when I was standing I'm like okay I don't really have anything to do here so I could just walk away and um oh yeah now I've got this kneeling chair I don't remember how I even saw it it was probably some kind of ad on social media and this was months ago and I'm like okay I really want this chair but am I going to use it because the standing desk, right? It's in my closet. It's yeah. not being used. But it's been about a month, maybe a month and a half since I've gotten it. And anyone who comes over, like family, friends, they sit on it and they're like, wow, this is great. Like they, you think you need this whole back part. Like I'm on the chair right now and yeah. it actually rocks. As you can see, it's super fun. But anyone who sits here immediately wants a chair. And I think um, a lot of people, I made a post about the chair on LinkedIn. A lot of people ended up messaging me saying they've, they've gotten the chair and they really love it. Um, it's just so comfortable. I definitely, definitely recommend it.
1: Changing the world one sitting style at a time. What's, <laughs> yeah. what? I, I don't see it in the post. What's the name of it? If I want to, it's,
0: it's called a kneeling chair. If okay. you Google ergonomic kneeling chair, Got it. you'll find a bunch of brands. And I see it now. I'm all sure right. they're all similar. Just read the reviews and see what works for you.